This week, we're discussing the priority of solving process problems. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church and also the founder of Telio, a formation ministry for pastors. And my name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church, and I'm also the co-founder and president of MyXP, a ministry where we provide remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. It should also be noticed that you are dressed very fancy today, that you have pants on. Well, I use pants. pants. I use pants loosely. They're sweatpants. Well, yeah, my legs are covered. Yeah. For the first time, I mean, I haven't even, let's be honest, I haven't even broken out like my like, you know, kind of like canvas type shorts. I've been wearing essentially (laughs) athletic shorts all summer. I mean, every once in a while, I feel like I'm going to be fancy. What are, what are canvas shorts? Like shorts that are not stretchy. Did you make them out of like a parachute? That's what canvas is. (laughs) No, canvas is like any... Material. Yeah. I don't know. A canvas, yeah. like my bag is can- considered canvas. What are you, Bear grills though? You, I've never seen you in your whole life in a pair of canvas shorts. <laughs> like khaki shorts or whatever. Oh, like yeah. that material. That's what is totally that called? different than khaki. <laughs> well, but they're not all khakis. So that's, that's true, but color. I think they're still referred to as like, I'm kind of like, you can be wearing khaki pants. I don't know. And I don't think it's actually If someone the listening color. knows, comment and let us know what the material is yeah. that I'm talking about. Anyway. But you're wearing pants because it's like, we're still in the midst of the apocalypse. Yeah. And yesterday, it was like 90, and today it's 40 for some reason. And this weekend it's going to be 100, yeah. so I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on either. We are in this midst of conversations where we're talking about uh, fall ministry priorities in this kind of strange season. We've all had six months, seven months now of COVID restrictions and falls upon us, and usually we'd all be gearing up for big, exciting ministry initiatives. And, and right now it seems like everyone's asking this question, well, now what? Uh, what can we actually do? So we're talking about some things that we can and should be prioritizing. So we've uh, we've done three conversations so far. Uh, you can listen back to those. In week one, we talked about the importance of building safe space for emotional health issues because no one's doing great right now. Uh, in week two, we talked about finding safe ways to gather physically. And then last week, we talked about the importance right now of leading without pushing. And today, we want to address an issue that you and I run into a lot uh, and have some deep convictions and opinions about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to talk about mistaking process problems for people problems. Um, okay. and, uh, and specifically, like one of the things that you and I hear in talking to pastors a lot is, is this refrain that's like, uh, I can't get people to do anything. And that, yeah. that could be giving, it could be serving, it could be showing up on time or showing up at all. Yep. But basically, the, uh, the, the, the thought process is um, we have these hopes and expectations of participation and engagement from people, and people aren't doing them, and so the problem is the people. Sure. And so everything's, everything's a heart issue, yep. everything's a sin issue, yep. everyone needs to repent, yep. and, you know fill out their info card on Sunday. Yeah. And in and and what we struggle with in that is that that has not been our our experience right. that we have not seen it. Not it's not like we have 100% perfect participation in everything from everyone, but by and large, we have a very high level a very high percentage of people who do give mm-hmm. and who do serve yep. and who do participate on the regular. Yep. And so 
our as the more that we interact with pastors and ministry leaders on what is like how they go about trying to get people to engage, the more we bec- become convinced that the issue is one of process, yeah, not people. And sure. so that's what we're going to talk about today: is the importance of mistaking uh, uh, the problem of mistaking process problems with people problems. Sure, because if you misdiagnose that problem, the solution that you come up with is entirely wrong. Like the sure. answer is not always repent. Sometimes right. it's come up with a better process. Right. So talk about the example that we have that would like one of the most obvious that we've seen in regards to like texting versus emailing people. Yeah. yeah. Well, so first of all, I just want to say, I think in general, from a leadership standpoint, I think it's really important um, at in any type of leadership. So where I learned this lesson the most was from a leader that quite honestly, I didn't care that much for uh, during my season at Starbucks. Um, he was a pretty difficult man to work with and understand. But one of the things, regardless of what happened in my stores, you know, as a district manager, I didn't actually uh, do any of the work in the stores. As a matter of fact, I was a cost center. The, the stores were profit centers. So uh, some might say I didn't actually do anything. I did do quite a bit, but it wasn't directly in the line of helping customers. But regardless of what happened in each of these individual stores I was responsible for, my boss viewed it as my responsibility, which I right. agreed with that. And anytime I had to call him and let him know that Maybe we had failed some sort of audit or something had happened with a customer or something like that. He always required that I started the conversation with explaining like what I could have done differently to not achieve this end. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was frustrating because it was like, well, I don't clean the stores. Right. I have instructed them this and that, but he always needed, and it was really frustrating. But I think what I took away from that experience is that um, I think that it's really a really important mark of a good and caring leader to first start with you. Mm-hmm. And like, what can I do better? What's not been clear? What's not been helpful? What's not, you know, like maybe I launched a uh, seminar on a series that I didn't take the time to learn if anyone wanted to know about, like yep. all of those kind of things. And so it's not just that our people are lazy or too busy or anything like that. Um, and I think that that's just a, a really important kind of like little nugget that you mm-hmm. can take away from today's conversation is like, it's always great to start with yourself. And really until... I answered his question um, pretty thoroughly about what I could have done different and what I was committing to do different moving forward. He wouldn't even allow me to go like proceed in the conversation as far as what happened or what we were going to do to address it at the store level. And so, again, it was frustrating, but uh, really formative in the way that I think about leadership. Yeah. And I think you said that in a really generous way. I think I would go so far as to say that more often than not, it's lazy leadership to blame people. Sure. And I think that's true as a preacher. Like if there's something that is unclear to people, Mm. um, I don't think that you should blame the people. I think that you should work harder at being clear. Yeah. Um, I just think good leaders take responsibility for like, not everything is our fault, but it is our responsibility. Yeah. And so I think that that's a really, really important point. Yeah. Yeah. So back to your, your, your question about the example. So, um, especially through COVID, but in general, it's important for churches to communicate. Uh, we recognize that people, you know, only, only people in ministry think about ministry every day. Right. Some of your people, probably a large percentage of your people, uh, especially in pre COVID days thought about church when they realized they were going to be about 10 minutes late for church. Right. And that was really when their thoughts of church happened. Uh, and so I think that, 
Uh, it's important to communicate, to let people know what's coming up, all of those kind of things. And I think uh, like many people out there, we use an email program mm -hmm. um, that lets you look at the open rate. And I got to tell you, if anything makes you want to quit ministry sooner than looking at how many people actually read anything you send them, uh, it's abysmal. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what the average is, but just based on the churches we support and the fact that I have access to a lot of MailChimp accounts, I would tell you it's about 30%. Um, and that's not, and, and that's like a good response rate or a good open rate for an email. And especially through this season to let people know where we're at, how you follow up, how you stay connected, all of those types of things, how we're doing as a church, what they need to do, where they need to go, where they can't go, all of those kind of things. It was really important that the content we were getting out was actually being reviewed by people. And so we sent out a few emails, got really kind of frustrated at that. But I think the other thing that was happening in that season and it just happens all the time is people get way too many emails. It's I like the worst. I hate yeah. getting email. I just hate it. I'm generally a little annoyed if someone emails right. me. Right. It's like ah I can think of seven better ways you could have communicated with me than sending yeah. this email. I mean don't call me. That's don't know sure. that's for oh, sure. Oh man. It's really just text me. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. really all I want. And I think in some ways uh, it's also hard because emails get buried in inboxes. I think lots of people have multiple email addresses. I I know of someone at our church I think we've got six from now and every time they fill out the info card I get another one and I just wonder like when do we get the real one? Mm -hmm. The one you actually care about and check and it's yeah. going to happen. Not your Juno. Uh, right. <laughs> AOL at Yahoo. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um but I think um I think recognizing that people get inundated in that way, it's easy for emails to go into junk, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, one of the things that we started doing, we, we had had this capability. I think a lot of churches understand that there are text message services for people in your church out there. And we had this capability for a while and we used it intermittently. Um, but we really decided to double down, kind of transition. Oh, I don't even remember the last email we actually sent. Uh, I think with COVID updates, we write an update, which typically we would have put in an email. Yep. We write a COVID update. Yep. It goes on our website. Exactly. And then we text a link yes. to that. Yeah. And what's great about that also, uh, doing it that way, just as a side note, is that if you have to make any changes to that, maybe a date changed or whatever, um, you can do that dynamically on a website. The mm -hmm. moment you hit send on the email, then you have to be that guy who's mm -hmm. like, oops, sorry, I got to send this correction on my oh, yeah. email. I have one organization. Um, I won't say what it is. Yeah that uh, I get emails from constantly. Yeah. And at least once a week, five minutes after I get an email, I get a second email from them that's like, oh, date correction. And you're yeah. always like, and Classy. that's just, it, well, it's just, and I understand yeah. it's a pain and we're yep. all trying to keep a lot of details straight, but it is not always the best mechanism sure. for communication. Yeah, because it is, it's static. Yeah. Uh, once it's out there, it's out there. And also like, we've all gone through the thing of like, okay, how do I find that email? I don't know why email search functions are the worst, but I can just never find the emails that I'm looking for. I will say we use Spark things. now. Yes. And oh, Spark man. is, let's not, no, 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 no. Don't derail. Come we already now. got a thing we're talking about. Okay. But the smart, I will say the Spark <laughs> email search yeah. is the best I've ever used. That's true. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a free app. If you're using oh, any Lord. other mail clients, I switch to Pandora's Spark. box. I get no, and and again for regular clarification, yeah. I haven't gotten fifty cents from anyone I know. <laughs> for anything I've said. I know really about anything in my whole life, so That's I'm not true. sure about that. But anyway, uh, but I, and I think that we have found great success. I think you have to you have to like. 
uh, think about how you text message. So it's a quick link to an easy sign up. Uh, sometimes we text out a question. Yes, no. Um, I needed t-shirt sizes for something. Reply with the t-shirt sizes for all of your kids by the end of the day. Things like that that uh, have a sense of urgency to it and are super easy to respond to. Mm -hmm. Because then uh, you're still not, we're still not getting 100% because I think some people are busy. Some people are like, why did they text me? But in general, we see very close to 100% response rate. Yeah. Um, and I think the other great thing about it is uh, while text messages don't really have like a great inbox you can go back to and things like that, we are not necessarily pushing out content that they're going to have to interact with a lot. Mm -hmm. What we'll do is like for registering for our Sunday services. I'm, I think every church in America is doing that right now. Register yeah. so we know how many people are coming. Um, we'll send it out more than once. We recognize like if if we sent it out at a certain time, uh, we got the captive audience then, the number of people who are going to like scroll through their texts and do it. And so we just send it out again. Uh, certainly we're not trying to like spam everyone or overwhelm everyone. Uh, all of these texting services people can unsubscribe to if they want to. Uh, but it has served as a way to keep our people connected and aware um, and uh, it's been a great thing and I think uh, the whole point of this is I think we could have just been frustrated yeah. and and sent emails people out need to often. repent and check their email exactly for sure or just been discouraged about why right. people don't care and all of those kind of things and the truth was I think that our method was flawed yeah it was a process and problem exactly we and went from 30 percent open to what is by and large, probably at least 90%. Oh, and yeah. the only thing we changed I mean, who has was an the process. Unread text message? Not well, I sometimes I'm I'm not great at what do you mean an unread text message? Well, just like like I think my point One that you is haven't checked? everyone yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You see it at least. Yeah. Whether or not everyone took action or right. maybe you were like detained, you were in the middle of something. I do that sometimes where I glance at a text and then forget to go back right. to it. But either way, they at least are aware that content came through. Yes, totally. Yeah. No, that's good. So in the midst of like I think bringing this kind of down into the practical, yeah, uh, as we're talking about because we could talk about like nine thousand processes we could all oh, be man. thinking about. Like we oof. could. Well, we couldn't, but I could fall asleep while you do. <laughs> That's true. And uh, so what we want to talk about today is what we the, the single what we have found, yeah, especially when it comes to engagement with people and getting people again to actually take action and do the things that we need them to do in order to participate in the life of our church. The, the, the most important solution that you have found and really labored over and designed is is an effective digital option that we are using in order to um, put in front of people the easiest way to take the steps that we need them to take on a regular basis. So particularly what we would call ridgeline.info, yeah. like our info site. So yep. why don't you just talk for a second about, since this is this topic today is largely more your area than mine, yeah. talk a little bit about what ridgeline.info is, specifically yep. because it's, it's essentially, like to put it in a nutshell, is like a digital bulletin is the way you always describe yeah. it. And um, some people might hear that and think like, so you mean like a website? Like, yeah. So explain the difference between uh, ridgeline.info yep. um, or an info site yeah. and the website. What's the website for first and then talk about ridgeline.info? Yeah, I think um, I've had to spend a lot of time thinking about this. One of the things that we do for the churches we support is uh, if you ask us to build a website for you, mm -hmm. uh, we will do that. It's part of what's included in our service. There's not like big lofty fees associated and things like that. Um, the only thing that you have to pay for once um, MyXP is supporting you is a Squarespace fee. We do build websites on Squarespace exclusively, I mm -hmm. think, for a couple of reasons. One, they're automated.
automatically uh, mobile responsive. Um, and two, I think it's the easiest website platform out there for a volunteer to manage the content of. Yeah. Anyone can hit like add image and things like that. <laughs> right. uh, and so it's just a lot, in my experience, much more user friendly than like things like WordPress or some of the other things that are out there. I know uh, Squarespace has a bunch of competitors right now, but to me, uh, they're sort of the like, premiere in in website they can have a sermon player all of it it's great if you're interested in how squarespace can use uh, be used as a church website go to ridgeline.church i think that that's one that we are always kind of tinkering on and, and making sure will work well for a church setting so all of that has been done natively with squarespace we didn't pay anyone to develop anything fancy or special it was just how we figured out to make that product work for us yeah uh so so all that said, uh, we think a lot about what is a church website for. And I think once upon a time, 10, 15 years ago, um, you had a flash site. It was very fancy and like things like moved in and out and like told these like stories and it was mm -hmm. just this whole thing. Um, and I think um, a simpler church website is really the answer now. And and when, I, when I'm building, when a church says, you know what, Tyler, build us a website, what I'm thinking about in terms of building that church website is I'm thinking about it in terms of it's really that very front door for people to yeah. – uh, experience your church. It's the way that they're going to understand what it's like. It's a way that they're going to get kind of a taste of different things and and sort of a picture as to what they can expect. And so genuinely, uh, in my mind, I'm thinking about it like a restaurant website. When you think about, so if you asked me tonight, hey, Tyler, let's go to this brand new restaurant that just opened. I'm going to go to their website very first thing. That's the first thing I do is I like put in this uh, the restaurant name. If they have a website, I go there. As a matter of fact, a lot of restaurants that don't have websites, I'm not even willing to try because I just feel like you can't tell me anything about yourself. I right. mean, it's just so easy to do. Um, but And I'll go and I'll look and I'll read about the chef and learn about the farm-to-table locations that they've mm -hmm. got. And I will look at the gallery view uh, and see, like, what's the seating like? What's the vibe? I'm always looking for other people in the restaurant, uh, see how they're dressed. You mm -hmm. know, are, is it like a dress-up place? Is it you have to wear casual? your fancy sweats well, or your, fancy can sweats or your canvas shorts. That, oh, yeah. Those are your Here two we go. options. Of course. But regardless, I'm looking at all those things. And absolutely, one of the primary things I'm doing on the website is looking at the menu because mm -hmm. I want to just see, like, is it even a place I want to eat? But that's not necessarily the primary and exclusive thing that I'm doing. What I'm trying to do is understand what is this restaurant and what are they trying to accomplish because there's just so many approaches out there. And I think that's that's exactly the same in the church world. Yeah. And so I think building your website in a way that conveys uh, what does it feel like to be a part of this church? I think it's really important to have great pictures of the people in your church, what makes up the people in your church. People who are on your website can do the same thing where they're looking at uh, how are people dressed. They can look at, you know, is there anyone there that looks my age? Is mm -hmm. there anyone there that looks like me? Is there anyone, do I feel like my kids will have friends at that church? All of those types of I things think, are important. I think, and just to interrupt you for yeah. a second, I yeah. think then something that's really important, especially on the picture front, yeah. is, is to make sure, because I've seen this sometimes, yeah. make sure your website actually matches the culture of your church. Meaning yeah. that, it's not like stock photos no. of other people's churches or other no. gatherings of people. Like even if the photos are not amazing, at least let them be an accurate representation of who you are. Because there's there's been times like I've seen some church websites that are like on point. Yep. And they look amazing and they sound amazing. And then you actually experience the culture of the church and yep. it is like a hot mess. Right. And you're like, this is a complete completely different experience. It's like false advertising. Totally. Who you said you were on your website is not who you are 
in reality. Totally. And so I think it's very important that those two things feel very similar. And I think that's a great, like, to connect it back again to the restaurant example. I've experienced that in that setting as well. Totally, yeah. Where you're like, you paid all the money in branding and marketing and website and none to your chef to prepare good food (laughs) or for the ingredients or whatever. And on the other side note, I think uh, just so I can throw it out there, I think it's important that a church have a website on the other end that accurately reflects as well because every once in a while, there's a restaurant, you go to their website, they're using like papyrus font, they don't even have like their whole menu uploaded, somebody took a picture with their iPhone and you go and they have like spectacular food and the problem is I think some might say, well, don't judge a book by its cover, but it's 2020. Uh, we're not going lots of places to interact with extra people right now. And that's really that way that you have to judge like how these things work. And sure, you can listen to a sermon and all of that, uh, but you want to have a feeling of what the experience is like. So, so all that to be said, I really view that the church's website is for new people. Yeah. The entirety of the church's website is for new people. So why have an info site? And we've even had some of our own people ask like, so we've got two sites. What is the deal? How do we handle this? And really it's a matter of like, so if you asked me to go to that restaurant tonight, I'm going to do a deep dive. Maybe in a month or two, you're like, hey, let's try that again. I'm going to be like, what was that place? And I look and I kind of go over it. But at some point that becomes like a place where I'm a regular mm-hmm. and really all I'm looking for is what's on the menu or yeah. do they do they have any new specials or what's right. going on? I'm looking for what applies to me because I know about the chef. I don't care about the farm to table places. I don't need the pictures, anything like that. I know what days they're open, what days are closed. All of that straightforward. And so the info site is essentially the restaurant menu for the people who call your church home. Yeah. I think as a matter of fact, to someone who's brand new, it might feel like, well, how is this helpful? I don't care that they have an event this weekend because I might not want to go. Right. Uh, and so I think that that's what the info site does is it takes, it strips down your website and all the relevant pieces of information. Cause on the other end, you don't want to make it too cumbersome for the people who call your church home to be able to find like, I want to sign up for a small group. Do I have to go through the 16 pages and all the like testimonial stories? Where is the link to sign up? Right. Or I know I'm supposed to bring someone to this church picnic and And where is the link to say what I'm going? And I think people are busy. They're overwhelmed with all the data points coming at them and in e-learnings and and working from homes and all this kind of stuff. And so it's important that we make a clear and streamlined approach for people to be able to engage in our church. And that's really what the info site accomplishes for for the people who call your church home. Again, for, for brand new people, it might feel like, where's the rest of the stuff? Right. Um, it's because they don't care just about the the primary things. They want to care about stuff beyond that. Yeah. By and large, the info site is to help people who call our church home take the action we're asking them to take. Exactly. Which, again, is the problem that we're trying to address. This yeah. issue of, like, we can't get people to do anything. Sure. And sometimes it's just because you've buried it so much or it's so cumbersome to take the action you're asking people yeah. to take, they don't know how. So we've got all of that. Like, people can go right now and look at ours, ridgeline.info. Yep. Um, and see what we have on there, but talk a little bit about, go ahead. Well, so they would, yeah, they could, uh, we've got an app now. So that site is only three buttons. If you go to ridgeline.info, it's, uh, the ability and we're about to talk about that. Correct. But just to clarify, if you go there and are like, why is there only three buttons? Right. Yeah. Is there another one that you would send them to that's not app based? Yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, Ridgeline Church. Excuse me. I don't know what Ridgeline Church is. Yeah. Ridgelinechurch.churchcenter.com. 
um, is, uh, so again, if you've listened at all, you mm-hmm. know I'm a big Planning Center fan, right. and they've really changed the game lately in making uh, a church app that is only $14 a month and totally customizable, and actually it's still in beta and uh, is free for now and for the foreseeable future. So uh, if you want to see kind of how we've done that, it used to be uh, just a page on our website, and I think if you're not a Planning Center customer, if I, I would highly recommend against just like buying a church app, you're going to pay a fortune in mm-hmm. monthly maintenance in setup, all of that. Uh, it's something that can be done yourself on a page on your website. And so you could like kind of streamline it there. You have the ability to uh, take a look and see uh, what's on our app and put it on your thing. But if you go to ridgelinechurch.churchcenter.com, uh, that's kind of the web app version of our church app. And so you don't have to download or log into anything. Cool. Um, so talk a little bit about then it, when, and obviously this is going to be a little bit relative to the action that a particular church wants their church to sure. take. So whether they have small groups or missional communities or we do meetups, the language, what people are being asked to do might change. Yeah. But talk a little bit about what goes on our, like what's on ours, yep. what we tend to build in the churches yeah. we work at with my XP. Uh, talk a little bit about a couple of those things. So like, I, I know that the info card yeah. is a huge, huge thing. So talk yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. So for us, you probably heard us talk in the past, if you've been a listener for a while, but the info card is really the primary thing. Um, the basic way I think about the info card is it's sort of like old school tonic. It'll cure what ails you. Right. Uh, we make sure that it's a single point of connection to the church so that if you you want to uh, serve on a team, if you want to sign up for small groups, if you want to, whatever it is that you want to do, uh, the info card is what you submit. So it's not a matter of like 16 different types of forms and all of that. And sure, we have event registrations and all of that. But as far as getting and staying connected to our church, we tell people it's the info card. So uh, there's times uh, we're a mobile church uh, or have been, uh, and there'll be times afterwards I'm tearing down and things like that. And someone will come up and say, you know, Tyler, can I have more info about serving? on a team and my response is always the same. I like I don't want to forget that by the time I get back to the office or back home this afternoon. Uh, do me a favor, just pull out your device and submit an info card and click that, and it automatically goes into a process queue. Again, uh, Planning Center is a great tool with workflows and all kinds of things, but the info card is that single point everyone in our church knows, like whatever they need, they can put it on an info card. Uh, we have a prayer request part at the bottom, and we tell people all the time it's for prayer requests or any anything else that you want to communicate to us. And sometimes I'll tell people, if you don't see what you need on the info card, type it in the prayer request box. We have our prayer request set up that anything that gets placed in that box is sent as a push email to each of us as pastors the very next morning. And mm-hmm. so we wake up, it's in there. There's no chance it can get missed. Uh, but I think having something like that, I do think that uh, as you build um, an info site, as you build kind of that menu that we're talking about for your church, you want to make sure that it's streamlined to very, because if you've got a page of like 47 buttons, people are going to feel like, what in the world right. am I signing up for? And so that's where I think having a very clear and streamlined approach that asks for only the needed information and then gives them the ability to opt into the things that they want uh, is really, really great. And then making sure you have a back-end system to where you actually take action on the things that somebody has requested. Totally. So what are a couple of the other, you mentioned like not having too many buttons on the yeah. whole thing. What would be a, a couple other, in, in from your perspective, a yep. couple other essential buttons yeah. uh, that people should have access to 
every day. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, giving yeah. uh, and making giving as easy as possible. Honestly, as we talk about the fact that it's not a process pro or it's not necessarily a people discipleship problem, problem yeah. or a people problem. Uh, it's a process problem. That whole uh, concept was incepted into my mind by one of the larger payment processors. I wouldn't recommend using them and mm -hmm. I'm not going to say who they are here, but uh, I was having a, a very pushy sales call mm -hmm. with one of their salesmen and they just pointed out that they've worked really hard on their user interface because they believe that while most churches think the giving issue in their church is a people problem. It's really a process problem. And as the process gets easier and easier and easier, people will give more and more and more. And so I think making sure people have access to it and that it's also very user friendly. Yeah. So I know there are a lot of online um, payment options out there. I think, again, I'm going to just keep saying it. Planning yeah. Center Giving will be cheapest and best for you. And the user interface is amazing. Uh, there are others out there. Regardless, even if you've decided you're not a planning center person, that's fine. Make sure that you get a good interaction on your mobile device with what it's going to feel like for someone to give in your church. Because I think we'd all agree that online giving is preferred to any other type of giving because it's secure. It immediately goes into their account. I mean, all of those kind mm -hmm. of things happen. Uh, they're able to do it recurring, all of that kind of stuff. So making sure that giving is front and center and, and also that the experience is mobile friendly and something that anyone could could uh, navigate to. Find different people, if you're shopping for a new one, find different people of different life experiences in your church and ask them to give it a try. Uh, I did that even as we launched the recent app, I sent it out to some of our uh, people that I know are the most opinionated. Mm -hmm. I've sent it out to people that I know aren't really into technology, all of those types of things. And I said, give me feedback. And I got some great feedback and mm -hmm. made quite a few changes based on the feedback I got uh, because I wanted to make sure the end goal, uh, I think we're all in agreement that the end goal is people more engaged with their church mm -hmm. uh, in every level, whether Definitely. that's participation or giving or anything like that. That's what we're trying to accomplish. And so it's incumbent on us to work hard to come up with a system or a process to make sure that that's taking place. And so get feedback, do test groups, all of those kind of things to come up with what's the best option? And I think one of the values that MyXP adds is that we're doing all that for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and so even, even from this podcast, I'm telling you, Planning Center giving option is great for your church and will uh, cost. I have one church that started a month ago. They've received 20 gifts through this online uh, platform. They used to have a different online platform. And in those 20 gifts alone, in the last month, they've saved $75 in processing fees just by having those 20 gifts go through Planning Center instead of their own thing. So um, it doesn't even have to be a huge amount of online giving you receive to make it worth it. Yeah, that's awesome. I know another thing that we've put on there that's been great for people is that we have a button that's like, like meet our pastor, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And it's got just a short little bio about me as well as uh, a link for them to easily skip. We use Acuity, sure. an easy way for them to be able to go ahead and schedule a meeting with me, whether yep. it's a first time, like sit down, have coffee, uh, or it's a counseling situation or something like that. But to be able to have that right on there yeah. to make it, and, and I, some pastors might hear that and be like, whew, that seems like, a, I, I don't know that I want to be quite that accessible. I have found that mm, like... I'm still not getting bombarded with meetings. Nope. Like people use it when they really need to. And I think, uh, I mean, there is a criticism that exists in some churches that like as a church grows or whatever, like pastors, yeah. the pastor is no longer accessible. Yep. And I think this is one way to 
not just convey a sense of or the appearance of of accessibility, but to actually provide accessibility to people that sure. they actually want and need. And I think using a tool like Acuity also then takes it off me to have to do like the 17 emails back and forth trying to find the 30-minute time slot that works for both of us. Sure. I would say that I don't know that there is a decision we have made to implement anything in the church that we have gotten more feed, positive feedback on than the fact that people just know that you're available if they need you. Yeah. Uh, and again, to your point, it's not like you're getting so overwhelmed. I mean, some weeks there are quite a few and other weeks yeah. there are none and it's just the way that it goes. Um, but large in part, I think the fact that it's, it's, you know, almost like that security blanket mm-hmm. that you had when you were little, just that, like, I know my pastor is available if I need him. Yeah. Uh, and that was huge for the people of our church. Uh, also, as you take a look at that, I think this is a great example of making sure that you're staying um, cognizant of the changing times that we're living in, uh, because previously we've never had um, those buttons on yeah. the info site. Those were always uh, something that um, people could navigate to on our website yeah. or something for new people, but it was something that you brought to mind, and I think it's really relevant. We have new people engaging in our church for mm-hmm. the very first time, and so you would find that like about our pastor page on our website. Mm-hmm. We went ahead and add, added the button to the app because we knew that some people might watch our service, and it's the very first time they're engaging with the mm-hmm. church, where that's not typical uh, previous to COVID situation uh, because it's not in the luxury of your living room and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, And so I think it's just super important that you pay attention to those types of things. And so that's why we added that to that homepage, just in case you're wondering like about our pastors on the homepage of your app. It's because we want new people to be able to understand that right away. Yeah. And they, I mean, a lot of that is informed by, I mean, they say, you know, when it, that what, especially when it comes to Christians and non-Christians, like this is one thing we think about, non, what non-Christians and Christians are looking for when they attend a church is very, very different. Yep. Christians tend to be looking for programs. Yep. So they're looking for student ministry, children's ministry, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Non-Christian studies have shown that the, that the number one reason that a like de-churched or unchurched person, the number one thing that predicts whether or not they engage and come back to a church is whether or not they connect with whoever the preaching pastor is. So we just want that to be, you know, we want it to be easy for our people to be able to have that. I like that security blanket, like I'm accessible in here when you need. And then also for new people, like let's make it as simple as possible. If that's the thing that people need to be able to engage and connect, cool. Then I'll meet with you at the soonest possible opportunity, and we want to make it as easy as possible. Absolutely. And I think that, because uh, I've talked to pastors, and I know some pastors are really uncomfortable with like, you know, having that kind of about our pastor page yeah. or something like that. I just have to say, as someone who studies website analytics, while every pastor out there would love to believe that what we believe as the top visited page on your website, the staff page or the pastor page far exceeds that so much so that usually, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. the what we believe page is really towards the bottom yeah. uh, as far as visitor frequency. And so I think it's 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 just showing us that people are really interested in like, who is this person that I'm going to like sit under their teaching and all of those types of things. And that's just something on people's minds. And so I think giving them quick access to that is important. Totally. So any other closing thoughts that you have about this digital platform, anything else that's like super critical to make sure that people think through or that you'd point them to? I can even put a link in the show notes to... Uh, the app yeah. that you mentioned, yep. um, that URL, so people yep. can access uh, access that easily. But any, yeah. anything else in closing that you'd say about 
all this? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just to think through and to labor diligently to ensure that you've removed all the roadblocks possible, that you never stop. So if people are not signing up to be in the small groups you've just launched, have you made it complicated? Mm -hmm. Is there an application? Is there whatever? Like what you're looking for, uh, one time I heard somebody say, um, when people, like maybe you preach a sermon on something like giving, that that interest in in that is oftentimes fleeting. It's mm-hmm. something that they're, you know, they are thinking about, it's on their hearts, they get in the car, somebody cuts them off, and all of a sudden they're irritated or whatever. <laughs> yeah. We are, there are all kinds of things we need to repent for, mm-hmm. but let's ensure that we capitalize on those types of interests and make it very clear. And 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 I, I think the other thing that we didn't address at all. Uh, that's very important is ensure that through announcements or anything like that, you're being very, very explicit. I think sometimes we think of explicit, like explicit lyrics, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's something raunchy, but it mm-hmm. just is like clear, clear pointed yeah. to the point. And I think ensuring that you're explicit with that, whether it be with giving, ask your people to give via bank transfer, ask them to set up recurring giving all of those kind of things, and then make the process easy. Make the ask and make the process easy, I think, are the two things that you've got to work at. And don't be so married to your own process and be in such belief that it's easy that you won't take the feedback of non-response to know that there's something broken. Yeah, I think it's really important that we work hard to be our own critics and that we do. Like, there's someone in your church who every time you do anything comes and finds you and really gives you the business. Mm -hmm. That's the person you, you should be sending the link to, before yeah. you send out the email. Because yeah. you know they're coming either way. Yeah. So maybe some of the feedback they're willing to give you is something that you know another 40% of your church is thinking and not going to tell you. And so I think, especially in this season, laboring so hard to remove all of those roadblocks, all of that. I mean, even in our launch of the app, the primary thing, we're not cool. You know, yeah. No one cares about your app. The only thing that I worked hard on the app, that we're working hard on the app for all of our churches we support for, is that people no longer have to give their name and email address because they can stay signed in. So those are two less fields they need to fill out to register for anything. And I know it's that much more likely somebody's going to do it because it's not going to feel like a burden. Yeah. So I think that making sure that you prioritize what is our end goal, getting people more engaged in our churches on every level. And so let's, let's labor to do anything we can to make that as easy as possible. Yeah, that's good, man. Well, uh, hopefully these four conversations have been really helpful. Um, and uh, if you missed any of them, I'd encourage you to go back and uh, and to push through so we can all be thinking about uh, fruitful ways to be able to prioritize uh, in this strange season that we're still all working through. Because just because just it's different doesn't mean that we can't be productive and that we can't still see Jesus' kingdom move forward. And so uh, there's still important things for us to be to be prioritizing. And so hopefully those have been uh, effective, and you'll check all those out. Again, I'll put a link to the show note so you can see the info site uh, and have a better idea of how we use it. And I would just encourage you, if you have uh, any questions about this, we've talked uh, a lot about what we do with MyXP. Yeah. And so I think if people want more information about MyXP or they've never checked out the service that we provide, they can go to myxp.church. Yep. Uh, they can schedule a connect with you yep. uh, to be able to get more information about it and uh, and all the services that we provide. Yep, absolutely. And that first kind of conversation is totally free. I'm happy to talk through anything with anybody. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a new series and a new episode. And so until then, we hope you have a great week.